Welcome to Next Page. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Todd. How are you doing? This is our first, our big one. I'm like super pumped. I might need something. I don't know. Maybe I should have popped a Xanax or something, but I just. I already did. Oh, well, perfect. Enough calm for the both of us. I'm literally bursting with excitement because this is such a big deal for us. We've talked about this since, you know, I, I think it's almost been a, I wouldn't say a year, maybe, you know, eight months, but I have been trying to convince anybody and everybody that. I need to do a podcast and that they should do it with me and nobody would until we we had lunch. So finally, <laughs> you know, we've we've always had such a great, you know, we've known each other. How many years have we known each other growing up in Charleston? I mean, without giving my age away, uh, I'll say at least 20 years, maybe. Wow. It's been 20 years. Yeah, because we met. Well, actually, it might have been more than that because we met when I was auditioning at Charleston with with both Charleston stage and at Dock Street and and not getting any parts but you were getting all of them so Um, yeah so just so everyone knows um, I'm an actor and producer I grew up in Charleston South Carolina I've known Laura for a really really long time and uh, we just we really wanted to do this because we wanted to talk to we should probably tell them what the what the podcast is all about yeah that's probably important as you can tell if you're listening to this it's called next page we're really trying to focus on hardships and and obstacles that everybody uh that everybody all of humanity goes through and and have experts and celebrities and and influential people come on and and talk to us about those same things because we all go through it it's you know there is no cap and then how do we overcome them how do we turn the page? After the few years we've had, guys, we can all agree. This is, you know, we need some optimism. This has been a shit show. Yeah, it's, a, I'd say, what, a cluster F, if you will. So, yeah, I think that this is an exciting kind of, as we feel like maybe we're coming out of this nightmare a little bit, that this is this is a good way to, to kick off our whole concept of how do I we think get- when we talked about it, we were like, let's talk about real shit with real people. I mean, that's yes. kind of because we, we all are kind of joined by the, the trauma of this this crazy pandemic that we've all the whole world has been through. Yeah, it's really it's really cool to hear everybody's experiences through that. But just even before that, like in their lives, I think we can learn and grow every day, you know, right? Exactly. And I feel like Kumbaya, a big reason. <laughs> no, I think both of us, though, when we sat down, we hadn't seen each other in like six years. And it was we both opened up about things that we had been through and had no idea that the other was going through because on Facebook or Instagram, you would, you, it's all perfect. You'd never know. So, you know, we're trying to literally rip the facade of fake news off of Facebook and Instagram and, and, you know, get, we We, we got, we got really deep over a few drinks at the beer garden. Yeah. I'd like to say that it was a lunch that turned into a dinner, into late night. It was fun. And we got... And now we're here. And now we're here. It's so exciting. We have this thing that we're going to do, guys, that we, we do a called the question of the day. We're going to start off every podcast with this. Do you have one for me, Laura? I do. I think it's appropriate for this first one because this is a podcast. Uh-huh. What is your favorite podcast? Oh. And why? 
Well, I think this is going to be very, very clear to everyone that I am a homosexual, but I absolutely do love just be. Just in case you hadn't noticed until until now. Just in case you didn't get the memo. Yeah, no, uh, just be with Bethany Frankel, who is a former Real Housewife of uh, New York, I believe. And she she became the owner and creator of Skinny Girl uh, Cocktails. Yes. Yeah. And she ended up selling it for $100 million to Jim Beam. I'm a big, big fan of outspoken females who, um, who aren't afraid to be the boss in the room. Mm, that's why we get along so yeah, that's well. Why we're good friends. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I learn a lot from that show. She interviews a lot of influential people. I think she uh, interviewed the, you know, the head of Netflix. There was a really great podcast with Brooke Shields that I learned a lot about, you know, Brooke growing up in the limelight and, uh, and being so ridiculed. And this was even before social media, just in the regular media, it was really difficult for her to, and she was talking about her traumas and stuff. So yeah, just be with Bethany Frankel. Check it out. Okay. What about you? What about you? So my ultimate fave is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. It is my dream to somehow either interview him or even Monica. So the the premise is is experts on experts. So it's essentially people just, it's kind of like this, where people come on and they they talk that, you know, a lot of famous people, but also a lot of, you know, just experts on astrophysics and and stuff like that 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 is interesting because Dax is uh, very interested in anthropology and psychology and Dax I, Shepherd? yes he wow. was an anthropology he, he graduated with an anthropology degree so he's very interested in that stuff and and I'm He's married to I'm, Kristen Bell yes and he is married to Kristen Bell who's the most adorable person that show, the, the woman in the the woman the woman in the, in the window the that window looks across through the Pelican. I can't yes. remember the, the title, but it's really great. It is amazing. I just finished it and I loved it. And I don't think what's crazy is that it was, it was directed by the same people that did True Blood and a few other places. So it's supposed to be like a satire. Yeah. When yeah. she fills up that, that wine glass. To the top. Oh yeah. But you know, that wasn't what clued me off because that seemed like a standard pour to me. I, I didn't feel so uh, that was so offensive. No, nothing so offensive here. I was like, what satire? This is what I do when I get home. So, it, no, it was it, it was really good. And I suggest everybody go see that and as well as listen to Dax Shepard and Monica on Armchair Expert. They have all different kinds of umbrella podcasts as well, which are super interesting. So, I don't know. That's the, the one day maybe we'll have we'll have Bethany and Dax all let's put it out in the universe let's manifest that shit that's what we're doing all the time just the guy upstairs help (laughs) help or girl or girl yes no she she they whatever whoever you are uh so i guess it's about time that we actually bring on our guests yeah bring on our guests who i'm so excited about me too i'm very excited i'm very very excited shall i um i have a little bit of bio about them shall i read it yes definitely Today, we are welcoming to the podcast uh, Cullen Moss, who is an actor and writer currently starring in the Netflix series Outer Banks as Deputy Shoop. I think I'm saying that right. And uh, you uh, may remember some of his performances from TV series, including The Righteous Gemstones, The Underground Railroad, and for all of you uh, 2000s babies out there, One Tree Hill, which is my oh, personal yes. favorite. I'm One Tree Hill, yeah. 
And then we uh, we move on and we're also joined by uh, Cullen's wife, actress and vocalist, Miss Madison Moss. You may remember Madison from some of her performances in shows like Outer Banks, where she played Gavin's girlfriend, also The Righteous Gemstones, Drop Dead Diva, and my personal very much favorite, she was going to kill me for saying this, but Palmetto Point was just, I just was like, oh my God, my friend is so talented. Um, and so together, Cullen Aww. and Madison have three children and they live in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. So yes. welcome to the program, guys. How are yes. you today? Sweet. Thanks for having us. Doing good. So happy to have you. We are so excited. Yes. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so how's y'all's day going so far today? It's going pretty good. I uh, woke up very early and took a friend to the airport and then came home and took my kids to the park. A lovely Saturday. Mm -hmm. And we do a thing every day where we um, we ask uh, our guests, we have a question of the day. And our question of the day was, what was it, Laura, the podcast? What is your favorite? So, yes, we ask each other this. Really ask it because we want to get get it out, the juicy stuff from our guests. So we want to hear from both of you which one, which is your favorite podcast and why? Um, my favorite podcast is this new one that hasn't come out with Todd Adamson and Laura Page Flippers. Vanessa Moss's favorite podcast is Next Page. Next so, Page. You know, I have that's... never listened to a podcast ever. Ever. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, this is a good introduction, I guess. Yes. Oh. And Kellen, what about you? I have a established one. Actually, I, uh, I love uh, WTF, Mark Marin, and I've just started listening to the Murdoch murders. It's yeah. Mandy, what's her last name? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it. She's a, an investigative journalist uh, and the head of, of Fitz News. Anyway, she, it's, uh, and that's, that's a very local thing, uh, the Murdoch family yes. and all, all that stuff. And I, I've been reading about it kind of peripherally, mm -hmm. and she's getting into the, um, she's starting back like with, 2015 stuff. Anyway, really interesting yeah. kind of Very Southern Gothic, good old boy, like weird, weird stuff about this influential family. And yeah, um, her name, by the way, is Mandy Matney. Mandy Matney. Uh, yeah. I've been enjoying that, but Martin Marin's WTF has been long running favorite. That one. Um, Amazing. Yeah, man. It just, I, I, I just, I love, he does, he does in uh, interview, um, a lot of celebrities and people, you know, people in the business. But I mean, he, every now and then he'll kind of rabbit trail into just somebody that works the, at a deli uh, who's a recovering addict and, um, you know, has, has dabbled in entertainment and stuff. And uh, but it's not always he the conversations that he has like go into um, just life shit. And, uh, you know, I was saying the other day he, he had this. Just like he'll be talking to Mandy Patinkin and they'll touch on on the business that is show. But then they'll also just talk about uh, existential crises and what, you know, and mm -hmm. um, man, we're all going to die. And it's it, just stuff that we all yeah. 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 thoughts. We're going yeah. to see yeah. him in um, Charleston. He's coming here. Madison got really? uh, mm -hmm. tickets to see Mark Marin. When is that? Uh, in the beginning of June. Well, that's great. Oh, cool. Well, maybe we should get tickets for that. So for everybody out there, Todd and I did meet in Charleston and grew up uh, around each other, but Todd is currently in LA. Right. So we are doing this cross country. I All this Zooming that's been going on has really worked out for us uh, as far as making this happen. 
You know, he brought up the Murdoch case. You're, you're, you've really been intensely following the Murdoch case, haven't you? Oh, yeah. This has been like from the beginning, I was like, this is going to be big because it, and it was keeps, new stuff, new shit keeps coming out about those people. Just constantly. How, how far have you listened to it, Colin? Is, have you? I'm only now like when up, up to where Alec Murdoch is, is starting to, to finally have his comeuppance and he's starting to get charged with all of these things. The Satterfields are finally start, uh, about to get there. Um, this is the, the housekeeper that died mysteriously on their property as well. Do you watch like true crime in general? Like, is that something that you're into? Well, I'd been follow, I'd, I'd been following it. And my cousin had written me about it and she was like, she said, have you been following this shit? She was like, this is your neck of the woods. She's like, when are they going to make the movie about it? And who are you going to play? Um, yeah, and- well, obviously a sheriff of some sort. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just kidding. He can play a lawyer too. Or- I could play a solicitor. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But uh, anybody within the courthouse, he can play. So, you know, maybe even a defendant. Then our, our friend Nicole brought it up to the other day. And um, and so I, I brought up this podcast. And so Mandy Matney's thing. So I, I jumped onto it. And, and have y'all ever listened to S-Town? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So good. Because I, I mean, I was obsessed with with Adnan. But after I finished that, I was like, I'm so lost in life. I don't know what to do or what to listen to. Turn on S Town. It's the craziest, most amazing thing ever. And the original John B. I don't. I've, I never asked. That's tr- I never asked the Pate brothers where if 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 John B. If John B. Was at all der- derived from S Town, but. Uh, Probably not. But, you know, there's a lot of very interesting characters in that whole entire thing, the, the S-Town madness. And it, it does remind me of the, you know, what's going on with the Murdaugh murders as it unfolds as it goes along. So you don't really, they start with one thing and then it's like, oh, shit, now we're on to, we just heard this. So you got to be really on top of it. And, you know, I like that stuff. I'm into it. Well, I just make, like to make a little bit of a shift here. So having, uh, so being two actors in the household and, uh, and raising three children, um, what's that been like for you guys? It's a different schedule every week, it seems. Um, yeah. The kids have to be very flexible because, you know, one week we'll both be here and then the next week Cullen's gone and I'm not gone that often. So it's, it's a little more structured with me, but um it's, it becomes a hard adjustment for our different discipline styles. So oh, yes. Oh, I know yeah. that struggle. They, the, yeah. kids, the kids actually call her, she's candy mommy. Mm-hmm. And, oh. and I got the moniker of dinner daddy for a while. Okay. Which because they know that, they, I mean, she's like they can get a treat any time of yeah. day, whatever for, for and, and she's just. She's candy mommy. I don't. Yeah. So, I give yeah. them candy and I don't really raise my voice. You're the sweet one. Yeah. Good. Good cop, bad cop, or is it more of a both gooder cop and good cop? Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty good cop. I make them like clean up after themselves, and and obviously do something with dinner because what happens if say Madison has a shoot and Cullen has a shoot? What happens then? Is Grandma employed at that point? That's yes. happened. Yes, we have my mom who lives in Charleston. Yeah, it has happened, and um, when the 18 year old, the oldest, is home. He's able to babysit, yeah. but not really overnight. He, 
Oh, he, oh you have a, a, a male co- cousin who comes and babysits? No, no, no my son. His yeah, old, yeah. My oh, oldest, oh, okay. My That's oldest awesome. boy is 18, and he's yeah. uh, back home now figuring things out after uh, an if, if after a rocky-ish start at Appalachian State. And he's uh, oh, okay. Less so rocky he, than my start was yes. in college. How did you two meet? Um, Me and my son. No, you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I imagine that was in a hospital. We were um, doing Debbie Does Dallas, the musical. In, oh, uh, oh my gosh! Yes. I have too many questions follow, uh, following this, but go ahead. In yes, Wilmington, in North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina, we were doing that show, and Cullen was, was fourteen years ago. Yeah, almost fourteen years ago. Wow. Cullen was Debbie's girl or Debbie's boyfriend, and I was the innocent cheerleader, Tammy. I was rich. Um, she was Tammy. I was going to ask if you were Debbie, and I'm like, mm. no, I was not Debbie. Debbie was could have been. I I was almost Debbie, maybe, but uh, I I liked my role a lot. She was the the book smart cheerleader that was really not book smart. So. What made you both yeah. end up in Wilmington? I moved there in like ninety seven. I think uh, with a with a group of friends from uh, Winston Salem, they'd all gone to film school. And, uh, some of them, North Carolina School of the Arts, School of Filmmaking, to uh, Piedmont Community College, which actually has a decent hands-on film program. So I'd grown up in Winston Salem, dropped out of dropped out of college, farted around, and uh, wound up doing some uh, student films with uh, these with School of Filmmaking, and then we uh, we did a short. We rented our equipment from Wilmington. I was kind of peripherally aware of the film scene in Wilmington. And that's what took us all there, me and this group of friends. And um, we we went to return our equipment after shooting this indie short. And we all were just like, this this place is really cool. There's a beach. It's There's a cool downtown. And, um, and, and we can all make our dreams come true here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And there was a lot of filming going on there, right? There was at the time, and it's and it's actually and it's picking back up mm-hmm. now. Yeah, there's Screen Gem Studios there. It was and at the time, that was the third largest studio in the country, and uh, and Wilmington was wow. the, was the third largest um, hub of film and television. Like there's New York, L.A., and North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina. I had no idea. Like that is like absolutely fascinating because. I still haven't even been to Wilmington. I've wanted, obviously, to go many times. I've been up to, um, like, Duke and that whole, uh, lots of areas. Yeah, but I have not made it over there and had no idea, or else I might have made some different decisions in my life. But, yeah, I know that that's really cool. And it seems now that there's a little bit of that seeping into Charleston, right? I mean, do you all feel like that? It seems like it. I I liked um, the vibe, the film community in Wilmington a lot. It was small and i mean there was a lot going on the indie scene the indie scene was great and we're still a part of that community like and and i've gone back to do musicals the the theater scene like once once i once i got to wilmington with Mm -hmm. these friends i just kind of froze and just and and partied a lot and and um and didn't did not pursue what i moved there for and then then i found uh the theater in Wilmington, and it was there's a really there are just so many good actors, directors, and a bunch of theater companies there, mm-hmm. and uh, and a comedy troupe that uh, a sketch comedy troupe that I became a part of. And what is that called? Uh, we were changing channels. 
Okay. And it was just all, just it was raunchy. Like, we, we thought we were real cutting edge, raunchy, like, just because we, we had no filter. And it was all pee-pee, poo-poo. Yes, bathroom humor. So we're all it was great. missing. But, but it, was, it was smart bathroom humor. You both do improv, don't you? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. And then after, yeah. when Madison, when we did Debbie Does Dallas... A couple of the a couple of the other actors and Debbie were the founders of this. Uh, Sam and Sandy, yeah. our dear friends, uh, were the found were two of the founders of this sketch comedy troupe that adopted me, and then we then we adopted. Madison. I was in it for the last year. <laughs> she um, was in it for our downward spiral. Yeah, and then but, um, <laughs> we so uh, we, we do like theater ninety nine improv now. In yeah, I was going to ask because I saw it when I was looking, you know, stalking you guys before this. I saw an interview with Cullen and an interview is kind of a little bit um, probably of a euphemism, but it was when during COVID and I guess they shut down. I mean, they couldn't Theater 99, which I love. I love going to Theater 99. That's been around in Charleston forever and it's an improv show. But they couldn't open, but they had a weekly or even bi-weekly, I think, kind of sketch thing that they would do on YouTube. And one of them was an interview with Cullen or, or inter- like I keep saying interview, but essentially they usually pull somebody from the crowd to ask questions. And then they do an act based on those answers. And, and Cullen was pulled up on stage to be that person. And then they did a whole acting out of based on your answers, which were all pretty hysterical because they were very If random. people listening get a chance to go see a live improv show, you will not be sorry. Remember that show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? That was such a huge hit. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, the, the, the people on that, that was great. With COVID and everything, how have you dealt with not being able to do as much of your art during COVID? Because a lot of productions shut down. I, I understand a lot of stuff stopped shooting, yeah. right? It was, it was frustrating. Um at first, and just and you know, acting is already such an uh, an uncertain path. Um, you know, there's no, the job security. There is none. You know, and it's only been like the past five years for me that that I that I haven't had to have supplemental work. But it's um, it. it 2020 uh, was the hardest, was the harder year as, as far as COVID goes, of course. But 2021, it was like by the end of 2020, I feel like he was working pretty regularly. I was, I was working some and 2021, it was like we were back doing some indie film work. And I mean, you have to be COVID tested constantly. Um, I, I was really lucky because uh, Outer Banks was one of the first shows kind of to get back shooting in in whatever COVID, <laughs> yeah, Zombie Land. Uh, the it was yeah. Like Tyler Perry did his thing. I mean, which was really smart. He like he created this whole bubble community in Atlanta at his massive studios, where he had people basically move in, mm-hmm. and so they're all part of this bubble, this quarantine bubble. What? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like um, how they did the the Orlando. You know, in Orlando, they they made a bubble for all the basketball players and they couldn't all leave. They were all in the same spot. So it was not so much that, but Netflix and, um, figured out a way, like they, they figured out a way to, uh, to go about it as safely as possible. And we, so 
initially the protocols, you know, involved like these individual, like isolation tents and, uh, and you know, every, full PPD for certain people, like different zones, the zones with the actors who would be the only unmasked people on set. The makeup um, artists had full um, gowns and masks. And masks, and shields, gloves. Because they, wow. they had, the actors had no masks because they were getting makeup put on. Right. So these different zones set up and these yeah. people can be in this zone, and these people can be in this zone. And, and then, you know, as soon as they call cut, masks on. And if there's any, you know if you cut for any extended period of time, originally it was like, go to an isolation tent and, and it's like individual like pods. Like E.T. <laughs> and they, they started figuring out like where they could kind of stretch things and how to be a little more efficient and what, you know. And these zones were created by like SAG and IATSE. They were, they were, they were, they were established by the unions, right? I think it was Netflix because a, a little known fact is that Cullen was actually filming Outer Banks on my family's properties that we own, that uh, Patrick Properties Hospitality Group. It's it's for events and stuff, but we, for weddings and, and all kinds of things, but it was turned out to be a location scout found uh, Lowndes Grove and a lot of where the where it was filmed, like where the, the scene where they blow up the boat is is right off of, the dock at Lowndes Grove. And, and I was talking to my team over there and they said that it was probably the most professional that they wouldn't have let y'all film there. If it wasn't the way, how professional they were about it, that it was like, you had to have different colored tag hanging indicators. And there were multiple times where my, you know, executive directors and CFO over in at Patrick properties where people would be like, well, who are you? And, and what, what are you doing? You don't have the right tag. And she's like, well, I just work here. I'm just trying to get this wedding done. But, you know, I heard nothing but amazing things about the whole operation. It was great. Just rigorous testing. I mean, everybody was constantly tested and, every, and very, you know, stayed on it with the whole mask thing. When I was shooting the episode of Outer Banks, I sat down to get my COVID test, which already, you know, it was still kind of in the uncomfortable COVID test time where they went really, really far. Into your brain. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did it through your eyeball, like that one little <laughs> little hole there. <laughs> yeah. So I like sat down to get my COVID test and I had sandals on. And while she was up there in my nose, I was being bitten by red ants. I have heard a lot of horror stories about COVID tests, but I don't think it could get worse than that. Yeah. But that was protocol. That was yeah. for this show. They they actually required They put the ants on your feet to make sure that the tests were accurate. Could not get any worse than that because I couldn't move for 15 seconds and it was too late. I was covered in the bites. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think that's a property problem. I should maybe talk to somebody about that. That shouldn't be happening. Yeah. It I, wasn't. I wasn't it wasn't? No. Okay, good, good, good. I mean, I don't want to tell of any other properties that we have because maybe it was, but um, hopefully we didn't have raging ant beds going on during that time. But, you know, the, it was like at, during COVID, it was like nature was reclaiming the earth as we... <laughs> 12 monkeys. Yeah. Well, in Los Angeles, when COVID first started and everybody had to stay home, you looked up because normally in Los Angeles, there's a crazy fog over the city and there's a fog <laughs> from all the, you know, cars and everything. And I remember just driving just to the store because you could only you know you really could only go to the store and go home and i looked up and just saw the beautiful blue sky and the beautiful i saw the buildings 
It was amazing. It's almost like the earth didn't want us here um, for a minute. And then we had to like We're apologize. Yeah. Yes. That those early days of COVID were so strange. I mean, just before, like before work started back up and when, the, when we were, when we had to homeschool, Dixon, the oldest was going to art school for theater and all of a sudden he couldn't do plays. Can't do, there's no live theater to do. Yes. And it's this online shit. And, and how do you do it online? They did like Zoom plays. Yeah, I mean, they were creative in their approach to it. Yeah. But still, it was just, it sucked. And, it, and we, but we traded places with our despondent, our levels of despondency. Madison started <laughs> off like just, you know, this is the end of the world. I was like, we got this. I said, fine. I have been so, around a long time and we're, we'll be out of this in two weeks. This and, is ridiculous. And then like. Well, Each week would pass, and I would curl up in the bed. Oh, and... Madison, I was so you. Yeah. Well, and then, and I was like, babe, I was like, it's not that bad. We can, we got this. It's just, we know, we, we just, get, we're gonna just wade through this, and it's gonna be fine. And then, on, a little farther down the road, I was like, no, my turn. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in the fetal <laughs> position for a while. I can't take it anymore. Like sitting, like trying to get. You know, trying to get a, a five-year-old to to focus on a screen that, on a Zoom class and the right. expectations on parents were absolutely absurd at that point. I mean, I was really, really blessed that I had a nanny, and and my kids were almost young, too young to really need you know have to do the Zoom stuff. But it was hysterical to see them try the, with. You know, she was like a four and a half, five-year-old when this first started, and to have them all especially with teachers that had no idea how to use Zoom. So there's just a bunch of kids losing their minds. Well, and know, the social aspect you know, too. Did you find with your children there was a social aspect missing from their lives? Yeah, they, they play really well together, the little ones. Um, and the older one plays with the little ones so much. Um, but they weren't able to be with, with somebody yeah. their age, so and, that was And we did. Like, we, we got lonely and tired of each other so tired of each other yeah i was just about to say it takes a toll on the children but it also can take a toll on the parents and the marriage and how long have you guys been married 10 years in june congratulations what would you say is the secret uh make it through covid without murdering each other and then i would say go to bed together but we don't I go, so that I could work for somebody. People. We go to bed with everyone. Every no. night. <laughs> Please, I, uh, we keep it spicy. I go to bed at 9, and Colin goes to bed at 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I, I, I know that life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, he stumbles I, in around 3.30. I, I, can't, I, just, I can't wind down, and I wind up, like we have, it's, it's like my second life starts after we put the kids to bed just i mean that's when because i haven't done a good job of making friends here in charleston oh i do have I'll friends be your friend i'm here well thank you say Laura. shout out to my friends shout out to my friends. friends i do have friends i'm not yeah. good about keeping friend up with list. them and i'm not good about knowing how to multitask with kids and be in in, a, in mm-hmm. life and so i i try to be very present during the day with the, our kids and stuff, like because, when, because so, when I'm on the road, I when I'm home, I want to make it count. Yeah. And then, but they go to bed, and then I'm like, I have to call my friends in L.A. or my friends in back in Wilmington. 
when I'm done talking to my friends in Wilmington, I'll call my L- I'll be like, well, it's still my L.A. friends up. I know that. And I'll call. And then you look over in mass and sleeping. Yes. She has, she's she's been asleep like the whole time. Hours, so. Yeah. Now, you know why I haven't listened to a podcast, because I wake up with the kids <laughs> That's, and I take care of them. And, and then I go to bed at nine o'clock. So how could I listen to a podcast? Well, that's yeah. That's and then I, I watch. If I'm not talking to friends, I watch my shows. Yeah. I watch my stories. He watches his stories. I'll listen yeah. to the podcasts. And then... It's, yeah. What, what would you say is the secret? It's a, oh, to the marriage? Just to bring Sometimes it back Sometimes we are different people every once in a while. I'll be like, I had a really good time tonight. And we'll pretend like we were on a date for the first time. But that's What's like... Role that's playing? not really... I didn't know we did that as much as she would imply. The secret is to have totally different lives. I just commit so much, I don't together. even know I'm there. That's right. Um, He's fully in character, so he doesn't remember. I don't remember, remember those times. I mean, I think that that really leads to the how do you, like, legitimately, logistically juggle all the acting and, and giving time for you guys. I mean, as spouses, you have to have that one-on-one time or as they say i guess do you put your own mask on for first before you you know tend to the children like do you guys make sure you're you're checking in with one another i mean how does it work with with it's so much, tough. So much- i mean parts. i think we're still feeling it out right i mean yeah last year was tough because he was in atlanta from like june till december on and off like he was in town and out of town and in town and he gets some really big jobs and he's gone for a long time. So if I'm going to do a indie or something like that, it has to be like really creatively fulfilling for me to do, to be away from the kids, to rationalize being away yeah. from the kids. I would say like going back to like this secret, we laugh, we do laugh, oh, yeah. like, we do like, it is like, we keep a sense of humor about stuff. <laughs> we do like each other. I we hope. do like each other. We like each other a lot. Mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the distance seems to be helping, you know, you get a little, you know, a, t- a taste it, in a way it's kind of romantic when you come back together. It is. But we, I, I think we're, we're pretty open about like, what's, what's, what's troubling, you know, like, like when I, like when I'm gone for a long time and like, not only do the kids have to adjust and I've got to adjust, I've got to kind of reroute when I get back, but in Madison's like, she's like, she has to adjust. She has to, she's like, Oh, you're back. Yay. But also now you're in the way. Well now, yeah. Now you're going to have an opinion about how, about our children. I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah. And, she, and, and so we have to, there's, it's a, it is a balancing act. Sounds um, like it's constant, constant communication. You yeah. have to communicate with one another. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. And it's not, and, and being, being act and being both actors, it's not, it's not always the work. It's not fair, equitable, like for women. Uh, so I, I do, I work more than she does. Yes. And that's, you, you look at a breakdown for a film that comes to town and there's 20 male roles and four female roles that I could audition for. And still in 2022. Yeah. This is, this is uh, blasphemy. I, I feel like this should be become my new biggest cause is uh, I can't believe it's, that. It's getting it better. It's, it's getting better. But it's like winning the lottery a lot of times to get a role as a female because there's probably 700 girls auditioning for those four roles. So you have to be exactly what the writer had in mind or the director. But, um, and it's, I feel like it's different criteria too for mm-hmm. women than it is. How for so? Men. 
Uh, just as far as like looking for a specific uh, physical type, like you'll see a breakdown and this is changing, but you know, when, when you see a breakdown about a male character, even if it's a secondary character, it'll go into descriptive aspects that don't, that are not just physical, but when it comes to the woman, she's blonde, bubbly, uh, you know, t- like a, a thin framed, it'll Whoa. go into more physical Gross. descriptions. Um, <laughs> And it's some, and it is that way sometimes with men too. But um, yeah. you know, um, they never really specify hair color for men. It seems it's always like brunette, what female or whatever, or blonde. Do they not? Are, are they not aware of wigs? Do they not know that those exist? Because I mean, I don't think that should be one of the requirements. Anybody could end up being blonde. But I, I mean, yeah. it is sometimes it's that way. It will say you know balding or distinguished. <laughs> gray oh yeah see which um, that's you've got that going for you too so you're already up on higher on the lottery anyway specifically for you madison do you feel like that that's created a little bit of like post-traumatic like trauma do you know what i mean because if you're constantly reading breakdowns that are just like well what do you physically look like what do you physically look like and it's like the actual character description is not there and they just want to know what you look like do you think that you're like well is it just about my looks is that is that is that all i am as an actress I think that as a as a theater actress, starting as a theater actress, I mean, we're, I feel like from the beginning, you're always feeling like, oh, it was because I, I wasn't, I didn't look good enough, or I wasn't fit enough to be that role. So I think that, I mean, that goes along with theater and in film a lot, but it's, you just have to get it out, get it out of your brain that, that it is that, because it's usually just, which I've learned, it's usually, who, like, what your resume has, who you know, and your talent, and if you're what the director or the writer was thinking when they wrote the project. It's very okay. interesting that you said talent is the third of your list. Yeah, that's. I think that would be a little more up there. How do you, do y'all feel that it was different in Wilmington as opposed to down here, or is this kind of like a standard across the board? I think our. Uh, our experience as far as film and television is is diff- is going to be different than someone who lives in LA or New York. I mean, the Southeastern okay. um, film community, it's a smaller pond. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, um, it's wonderful. We it, like, it's, we're it's so great. lucky to be a part of this, the smaller yeah. pond. But yeah. What what a little less there's intimidating. Nothing different from Charleston really than, than Wilmington, as far as what, what's, what we have access to. That's it's okay. all like the southeastern thing. It's the North Carolina. It's North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Louisiana, some Virginia mm-hmm. stuff, and um, yeah. Well, I just I find that interesting or like extremely fascinating because I went to college in Charleston, and it was like sixty forty girls to boys. So there was only you know there's sixty percent women, sixty five even maybe. I was and then should have gone there. Yeah, I mean you missed out for sure. Thirty five you know percent guys. So there was this big attitude of. I mean it, it almost felt similar though because you're kind of fighting. You're all fighting for to to date the same guys to hang out. That there's more women in the pool. So then the standards go way up, and then all these guys who are not relatively any better than 
you know, as far as, and we're talking college, this isn't like in real life, whatever, you know, just the, the culture, you know, that was like, like you gave a lot of the guys some dick. Um, Yeah. That's what AMDA was like too. Well, Well, for those of you who don't know, is the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York City. That's where you trained, right, Madison? Mm -hmm. Yes. And she's awesome. She's She's really good. I learned it all from my friend Todd Adamson. Oh, there we go. That's actually what it stands for. It's Todd Adamson School of Theater. No. Yeah, Todd taught me a lot about, like, life, but... uh, I did? uh, I'm not going to say what you talked to, what you really taught me about, but... uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll keep that. We were backstage at Charleston Stage doing theater, and he had to, like, explain the birds and the bees for real, real to me, because I... You were very young. (laughs) Why would... I have questions as far as why it was Todd the one that needed to have that talk with you and was Todd the right one to have that talk with you? Well, I was 10 when I met Todd, right? Yeah, we were 10. We were doing The King and I because we're so Asian. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, Todd, you do look kind of Asian. All right. All right. No offense. No, it's it's a great thing. He's very, you know. Adaptable. We were brother and sister, technically. We were the king's children. But they no, tried I, out for that and did not get it. I learned about the birds and the bees from my parents, but um, Todd just gave me the real real. You know, they gave me the the parent parental version of that. And yeah, I I remember um, I the the one thing. I mean, I loved your father, and when he when he passed, it was such a it was such a, a moment. How old were How old were you when you when he passed? Eighteen. 18. Okay. And then you met Cullen when you were what age? 22. Okay. So not soon after her dad was quite a character. He was, he was a very animated, wonderful human. And her mother is just as equally um, amazing. Robin, do you still feel his influence over Madison? I I'm sure I do. Uh, but in, having not met him, I don't know which particular aspects uh, are there? I but I I know I do. I and I I, re- I wish I'd met him. I also don't know if he would have approved of me had I met no. him. Would not have. Okay. I would probably not be um, married to Cullen if yeah. my dad was still alive. Why? So, I was not a pragmatic choice of yeah. of partners. I, I'm ten years older plus ten years plus older. And he had a child. Son. I already had a son. And he um, was not a believer. In, we were uh, not equally yoked. So uh, my dad would have would have fought really hard that I didn't date Cullen. I could have faked it. I would have. It's <laughs> like I don't even know who that guy. That my son. Yeah, I don't even know who that guy is. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't I don't think I would have gotten approval. Uh-huh. Um, but I would have loved to have met him and then <laughs> and then defied him. <laughs> yes. um, Taking him on. Um, Are your parents both still with us, Cullen? No, uh, my my mother is. I, uh, my father died uh, when Emmett was almost a baby. six years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Right. Have you yeah. has, did that? Um, did losing a parent, and not to get too 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 involved here, but did losing a parent? What was that like for you, Cullen? And then what was it like to see your partner in pain, Madison? It, that was it was rough. Um, it happened. It happened kind of quick. I mean. Uh, is from the time he found out he had he had cancer, and then um, it was uh, it was it was it was a it was tough, man. Um, 
I wish I'd been there more. We tried to get back there to see him, but it was these, the gaps in time. It was crazy to see the progress of the deterioration that way. Like, and with having missed out on time and all of a sudden I'm there and it just seemed like, you know, things would have fast forwarded and I'm like, Oh crap, we're already here. Okay. We're already at this stage. And, um, it was crazy. I didn't handle it well. I, uh, I was, I got, I got pretty, in, I, I was more depressed than I knew I was. Um, a lot of like regrets, which I had also when my dad died, um, you know, wishing that we had more time with him. I, I feel like I didn't get to know him as well as I would have liked to. Um, he was a, he loved Madison. Really, yeah. yeah. He was a brilliant professor. Um, Talk about yeah. that at Wake Forest. Yeah, he was uh, he was an English professor at Wake Forest. He was a Renaissance man. He like had he uh, you know he loved to go out and work in the work in the he had a field next to his house and gardened and chopped down trees and shit. He was like he was a sturdy like passionate dude. Um, mm-hmm. He could quote Shakespeare you know, like yeah, yeah. no other. And he he acted too. Yeah. At, he went to Davidson, played King Lear at Davidson That's College. Cool. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it was, um, his mother was a teacher as well. My mom is, is well, she, she was, she's retired now, but, um, Mm -hmm. but he was, um, he was great. He also, but he also kind of retreated a little bit later on in life. And I wish it's one of those things where I'm like, I, I wish I would have pressed him and, and like made him have conversations with me more, um, he would wander off and just kind of be alone in the yard and think and not want the noise of the kids. And, um, but, but he let, anyway, he, I'm glad he met, he met all of his grandchildren, loved them dearly and fiercely. And, um, I wish they could have, uh, known him for longer, but it was, yeah. What was it like dealing with me during that time? I, I, I wasn't a party. You learned to party. Uh, oh, but you like to party. Had Emmett, right, when that happened? Emmett was uh, four months old, I believe. How did you deal with all of that? Um, I mean, that was really an interesting point in Cullen's career. Like, we, he was still waiting tables at during that year. He was doing theater and film and waiting tables. Um, and so was I. I. I waited tables pregnant with Emmett. Until I was too big to good for you, girl. Fit behind the bar. No, <laughs> <And then>, <laughs> well, you were. That was at Mixto. Uh, no, uh, at no, Copper, no, Penny. Copper Penny. And they and people would say, you know, will you give me a, another sweet tea? Oh, never mind. You don't need to do that. Like they felt <laughs> sorry for me. That's I'll when. Try. That's when you need to quit because they just you know people feel bad that you're on your feet. Um, yes. So, I can see that. So Colin was waiting tables at Indochine and. Um, his father had just died and it was just this turning point in his career where he was also getting enough work to where he was thinking, maybe I don't need to have this, like the, the jobby job, um, to, to keep the family afloat. And so he kind of, at that point made the dive into, I'm going to work really hard and take every opportunity I can and, and do this. And, and it's been that many years since he's had to have another job and like you had to be supportive of cullen like during that time like incredibly supportive or was it like what was it all just happening so fast because it sounds like what happened 
from here listening to you, it sounds like you just had a child four months prior, his father passes, and then all the stuff, his career is kind of coming up at the same time. What was that like for you? I was, uh, was a mix of happy for him that, you know, I felt bad that he was emotionally going through a lot, but happy that his career was moving forward. Also mixed in with jealousy that I wish my career was moving as fast and as far. Um, but she was, she was supportive. supportive. Yeah. And also, and, and, um, helped I get- keep me in check. She's like, are you sure you want to drink your way through this despair? And I was like, yeah, I think it's the right thing. Um, and, um, you use humor. It was, no, I mean, she, she would check me. Uh, (laughs) Oh, it's more like stop drinking. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I know you're going to knock it out of your hand, but, but, uh, you, maybe you could, uh, maybe you could turn that grief into something else and be more productive. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was good. But the, she was very supportive, um, and help and, uh, and is supportive and it's not, and I, because of that unevenness and the, like the jealousy stuff, sometimes it's not easy, but, but you are in spite of that. And, um, yeah, I was going to kind of, I kind of wanted to follow up on that as far as like, as a, a mom, a single mom, um, you know, it, it's really for me personally, easy to start having little pity parties for yourself sometimes when you're at home with your five month old, six month old, however, uh, however old, cause it's not easy just to jump in there and get somebody to cover, you know, just to even go have a, an hour to yourself during that time. And, you know, I don't know if you were breastfeeding or what was going on, but it, I mean, to add into that, that you're watching somebody, continue to do their the job that you want to be doing and and have that responsibility at home I can I mean I, I can only imagine that that was you know rough for you the postpartum that you you know I just denied the whole time that I was feeling anything I'm like oh I don't have those the postpartum depression but as mm-hmm. an actor yeah it, it does feel like your body, your hormones are changing so much after you have a Mm -hmm. child and then you didn't get to work for a long time. And, and so you don't have any money coming in that's, that you're contributing and then, um, and you're taking care of a baby. Yeah. So. And the body changes, like not just hormonal. I mean, I'd like, did you have also like the physical at having that pressure as an actress was like the physical pressure there to like get back to being the, the slim, blonde girl they're always looking for it it was i breastfed so it, it really came off pretty fast um oh, i'm jealous of that it did not work that way for me <laughs> it was the opposite but yeah that that's good i mean you know you said as an actor madison um do you think that these life experiences that you guys have, have gone through how do you apply that to your craft I mean, do you draw on it? If you got a really emotional scene, do you say, okay, I mean, do you, I think in, in acting, sometimes they call it sense memory. You know, you go back to a, a time when it was really, really rough for you and then you, you know, get there or how, what's your process? Do you use any of these traumas to sort of uh, draw, draw from happy or sad, you know? I, I've, I've had acting teachers, but I didn't, I never uh, knew what I, what I was taking. I didn't know, like, I didn't, I don't know if it was Stanislavski or what, I didn't read 
up on it much and I didn't I didn't have any collegiate things. So I don't know what my process is. I don't know if there's what the label is. I just I do whatever works. And as far as like if I, if it's a, something to be sad, I've I've on occasion I've thought of like something specific, but usually I think I just have those things and emotions stored away and I as simplistic as it sounds, I just I just uh pretend. I mean not pretend, but I mean I I make believe. I'm like if if I'm, I I just say, well, what if I were this person and this were happening to me? Wouldn't I feel this in this moment? And I, because I, sometimes if 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 I think about um, something specific from my own, from like my own trauma or my own joy or whatever, like um, it'll take it'll take me out of out of the reality that I'm trying to, to create for myself out of, out of a character. You sort of, sort of can drop into that reality, like just drop into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yes, it's easier to do that. And it's especially like if you work, if you're constantly being able to, uh, use those muscles, then you're, yeah. Then you are. Is that the same for you, Madison? Um, I, <clears throat> I feel like, I, yes, similar. Like I'll, I'll, think what would I be feeling in this situation I don't I don't necessarily draw from like the loss of my dad or or my grandmother or or, you know the loss of Mm -hmm. somebody that meant a lot to me because I think I try not to open those floodgates Mm -hmm. do you find and I was gonna ask is that do y'all find that it's almost like a a good distraction like that you know the work helps you get through it Oh yeah, as opposed to adding to it, like a therapy oh, yes. in a way. We, when we do improv, actually, I feel like it's some of our best marriage therapy. Like if we can get up on stage and argue about something that's not a real argument, it's 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 great. It's, it's great. Right. It's great I was you. gonna say, I y'all also. I mean, I know you met um, with uh, Debbie Does Dallas the musical, but you were both in the Last Gift, right? Oh, together, yeah. yes. How was it working on a movie together? Well, we were broken up at the time. Yeah. So it's oh. a little rough. Oh, man. Um, we uh, we took a break. We started dating in 2008. And then you got cast in a movie together? And then we... Of and then we all... I, I dumped I him. In she did dump me. And I moved back to Charleston and then, and then to New York, actually, um, again. I've moved to New York three times. And so we were broken up during that, that film. And then, um, yeah, but she had she had a lead. I had to kiss this other guy a lot. That was that was probably you know kind of. I mean, how, how did that make you feel, Colin? You're watching your your, I was your girl my, get I'm cool. Yeah, I had my yeah. thing going on. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you're doing your own thing. I it was it wasn't great. It was sad. I mean, she we was, were both really she was sad. back in town and. Yeah. And they they asked me to hey do you want to come play a cop I was like oh that's different sure <laughs> and, uh, and Madison looked great and um, you did I was watching parts of it earlier I was like mm, they must have I, we've had we've had better times um, on set, together yeah on, on set yeah on on stage or on set we actually in Outer Banks we we, acted we together, got to yeah. have a scene together that never made it to the show. That's um, something that really happens. Two. Like people, you know, you sh- you shoot something, and you really shouldn't tell anyone to watch it because until you know that it was in it. 
because things just Gav- kept... Gavin's oh, yeah. girlfriend but, ma- made it to uh, yeah. to the sheriff's department yeah. and was and like it was in, it was supposed to be part of this montage where we're looking at we're looking at pictures of Gavin um like she's we're we're talking about his disappearance and um, or maybe it's after we found out like I'm having to tell her is it after we found out I'm tr- I can't even remember but she was I don't know if we know what what happened to him yet I yeah I can't remember if it's if it's after we realized uh, that he's that he's been dispatched um, but uh, do you want to tell like mm. do you want to talk about that at all no okay. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, hello. Oh, we, we have, have Spider-Man. Spider-Man has joined us. Spider-Man asks that I help tuck his mask in often. Yeah, it can come off easily sometimes, I've noticed. Yeah, this mask is actually a little too big, so it just goes over my neck. So we got... This is this is the best thing I've ever seen. It's adorable. It's literally I cannot. I hope that this for you guys listening to this, this this child has this most amazing Spider-Man costume on, and the eyes are perfect. I mean, and I hope he can see through those. But uh, you know, every once in a while, even everybody needs a little wardrobe adjustment sometimes. So me and um, uh, Emmett, that other child, um, my my five year old, we. Um, went to we just went to new york for a callback for him i can't talk about the project really but um but he wore his spider-man suit in queens because you know he is that's where peter parker lives so your so your children are now are actors it's amazing yes all of them well yeah but dixon's not dixon did more theater yeah yeah. he's not auditioning for film or television didn't louis do a movie with uh owen wilson Louis played um, Owen Wilson's son in a movie that'll be coming out in August, um, The Secret Headquarters. Louis has um, a, a, a more prestigious, he has a New York agent, and neither Ooh. Madison nor I do. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of as parents, though. You want your kids, I mean, I know there's a lot of follow-up kind of questions I think you could have to this whole scenario, but you want your kids to do as well, if not better than you usually, you know, that that's kind of a goal. Um, but do you sense that there's a little bit of, I feel like Cullen might have some jealousy here brewing over, um, his own children's success. Not yet. Not yet. All right. Yeah. Well, so we'll get there. No, no, no. I've, I'm just, no, I'm just more hesitant yes. than Madison to dive into it, like with them. Yeah. But they enjoy as long as they enjoy it. I'm about it. I'm not. I have less of the um, stage stage parent inclinations, and and but Madison's great. She doesn't like. I, she doesn't force it down their throat it. or mm-hmm. anything. And um, so like she kind of holds the reins. I really enjoy so it. Like being on set with with Louis, it was um, a paramount. And it was the biggest set I've ever been on, um, Secret Headquarters. So I was able to sit very far away from him, which is nerve-wracking, and stare at my phone because um, they connect the monitor to the mom's phone or the dad's phone so you can keep an eye on the child um, when you're not right next to them. Oh, cool. Yeah. That is cool. So he was on set, and in between takes, it was really heartbreaking because there was a, a person there that would run up to him in between takes and put a mask on him. Because they were very, very, you know, careful about Vigilant. COVID. Um, but he just had the best time talking to everybody on set and 
making jokes with people and and he didn't need me there at all like well i mean i i'm sure you provided some some much needed supervision yeah. right at some points other than being the person that puts the mask on him you know he's gotta have a ride did i, did I hear, hear a rumor about something going on with macaulay culkin um so louie also our seven-year-old um and i were in the Season two of Righteous Gemstones, which um, is coming. Which we all love. um, Which you can watch on HBO. Um, HBO Max. And we play uh, Macaulay Culkin's wife and son in the new season of Righteous Gemstones. I guess, yeah, so we can talk about it. He's kind of a, he's a surprise guest on the show. Guest star or or cameo star i guess on the no, show. you think you can say who he is because it will oh, come out yeah so he plays baby billy's son um oh, okay who's wow yes. who's been abandoned uh-huh. uh they've established that mm-hmm. baby billy abandoned his son in and, yeah yeah when he was a child when did you film that july you filmed it in july uh-huh. and it, that- working with the home alone it was so cool it's a my you know my role is uh, an important role, but it's a small small role. Um, and I'm his wife, who's a lawyer, and so it's just supposed to. He, his character is supposed to be doing really well in life, and Baby Billy comes to uh, apologize for everything that he did to him, and then he sees like, oh, but my son is like doing okay. He's got kids and a wife and a nice house and. We shot all of that in um, in Charleston, West Ashley, actually. Yeah. So is all of that, and you know, for our listeners, like this, this is why we're, I think, a very important part of this podcast. That's so cool as as us being from Charleston is that Righteous Gemstones is is for the I I think the totality of it has been filmed in Charleston, right? Mm-hmm. And they they basically transformed part of Citadel Mall into the Gemstone. The, the the their store, if you will. Where else did y'all end up filming all of that in West Ashley? We were at a home. I mean, our our scenes were in the, at the house in West Ashley, and then the other were at uh, right near where we live, actually in Park Circle, um, the Armory. Is that what it's called? The Armory, mm-hmm. or the Danny Jones, like that. You know, oh, yeah. in North Charleston. Um, it's where they also shot Hall- some of Halloween. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were in here for that. I remember um, who's the the obviously the main actress from Jamie Lee Curtis was in town. Everybody's losing yes. their minds. Yeah. And so it's so cool. Like Macaulay Culkin was here and and it still didn't really, you know, get out yeah. into the into the public. Yeah. So they did a great job, I feel like, keeping it a secret until the airing. Um, yeah. And part of that, too, is probably just that, I mean. People weren't at that point. People weren't really going out as much. Right. Too. Well, what's what I think is find kind of fascinating is that that was at that part of the Citadel Mall, and then the other part of the Citadel Mall was set up as a, a PCR t- COVID testing area. Mm-hmm. So I think people were maybe a little bit more distracted by that whole entire. It looked like you know a DMV driving test. To get through that whole thing, and 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 it kind of covered up where the righteous gemstones area was of the mall, so maybe they were able to sneak them in a little easier. Uh huh. Um, 
But yeah, I think people were a little distracted by all that going on. Very, very cool. One last, one last question. Um, the uh, Cullen, you've just been. Are you in post production on uh, this new show called Staircase? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I think it's. I don't know if it's Staircase or The Staircase. The Staircase. Yes. That'll be HBO Max. It's a limited series. Um, With Parker about- Posey. Yes. Parker Posey and I play the uh, yeah we're we're the prosecution team. It's about the Michael Peterson trial that took place in um, uh, uh, surrounding the death of Kathleen Peterson uh, in the early two thousands, in one of the longest trials in North Carolina history. And this went down in Durham, North Carolina, which mild stomp near my hometown of Winston Salem. Um, I remember hearing about it. in the early alts after I'd moved to Wilmington and everything. But uh, yeah, um, it was amazing. I got an amazing role. Uh, Tracy Kilpatrick was the casting director on that and um, helped get me in the door there. Antonio Campos uh, wrote and directed. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, it's, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be really good. You like the script? Yeah, the scripts are great. And um, did you watch the act, the original? I watched the documentary Staircase. Yeah. So this is it. I mean, I don't know, Todd, if you've seen this because you need to go watch it. It's this is based on a real thing, and the, and this guy is is not only accused of pushing his or doing something to cause his wife to fall down the stairs, but he is also, I mean, previously associated with somebody else who fell down some stairs and died as well. It's so one of those one of the like as you as you're peeling away, you know, the layers of the story it just gets more and more convoluted and like all the secrets that have been held and mm-hmm. um and I, and I and I don't even know how much I can say about like the stance that that this production takes on it but I think it's safe to say that they that this production kind of does concede to the fact that uh, nobody knows no i mean there yeah. you can't you can't there and and the kind of looking at the uh, um how subjective truth in a way can be um yeah and that there's what happened and then there's everybody's version of the truth and um and so I, I don't think that this claims to know what what yeah. went down um, because you can't um, if you weren't there. But it's a great Did cast, great. Um, my, uh, Colin Firth is playing Michael Peterson. Um, oh, cool. Tony Collette is Kathleen. So Peterson. tell them, tell them uh, really quick the uh, if you want to call it the Colin Firth story about the first day you were like this is the first day of the series do you ever have oh yeah yeah so the first scene the first scene shot pretty much um was one between my character i played jim harden who was the district attorney lead prosecutor um of the case and and parker was uh plays freda black who if if you if you've gotten to know these characters through court tv or through the documentary she was when we had our first table read, I didn't know she was going to be in it. And it was a Zoom table read. And I saw her picture, her square pop up. And I love Parker Posey. And I, but I saw her square pop up. And I was like, who could she be? I was like, she's got to be Freda Black, please. And so she introduced herself as Freda Black. 
and I'm on Zoom going, yeah, like dorking out. And she, I'm dorking out right she, now about this. You understand? I'm like a true crime obsessed person. So the the staircase itself is such a fascinating story. What a cool project to be involved with. It was great. But our, our first the first scene that they shot was was a scene between me and Colin Firth, in this kind of imagined scene of the meeting of this meeting between my character and Michael Peterson just at the Y before the crime ever takes place just because we both live in Durham and maybe go to the same Y and we're in this, it's this locker room meeting where there's this sort of congenial yet adversarial thing between them because Michael Peterson was writing things about the DA in the local paper at the time, uh, negative things. Um, anyway, we're on the way to set and, and it was the first, thing out of the gate and I was like I was like man I said when we get there I said you know we're gonna have to open our mouths and whatever we say it's like that's us we're like we got to know who we are now I said do you still get does it still freak you out at this point I said because this is it this is like we're setting the tone this is for everything he's like yeah he's like he's oh absolutely so he said you know and he said I, I don't know if you saw originally I was I was going to have no clothes in this scene he said I've convinced <laughs> them to let me at least be clothed, but originally he was going to be toweling off in his towel at the scene. He said, I didn't want that to be the crew's first impression of me, just this naked man in a locker room, and said, <laughs> give me clothes, please. And, <laughs> yeah, um, and, um, give me clothes, please. We, we, we didn't realize there would be naked men all around us. It <laughs> um, uh, wouldn't have been as out of place. But it was <laughs> for Todd. Like, wow! A dick over your shoulder and um, like my twenties. <laughs> um, but he was like, he did. He was like, you know, he, he said, he said, your first, your first scene, you, you know, you've just got to, you got to throw it away. You've got to throw it away. He said, it's the, you know, the first lines, the first scene. He said, you know, we we've done our homework, we prepared, and he said, he said, may not be the, may not be the greatest. Um, but you know, he said, if it's, if it's not good enough, you've got to trust the director's gonna, he'll cut it, he'll do it, he'll make you do it again. He'll make you do it till it's right. Or, you know, if they don't like it, they'll, they'll reshoot it and throw it away. And uh, I was like, that's great. That's great to hear. So that he was, but he felt the same thing going into it a little bit, but he was like, you know, you've just got to throw it away. And it was nice to hear that from Colin Firth. It probably would have been a little gone a little differently if he had been naked while saying this. So, you know, I think maybe better. I don't know. But, you know, I think we, I was still freaking all- out. We got there and I st- like in spite of that pep talk, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing the simple act of like taking my jacket off and undoing like loosening a tie and putting my bag in a locker or something. And and I'm just like my hands are like, <laughs> and, and my character's. <laughs> Just a very smooth, uh, he's he very confident guy from Durham, North Carolina. Very good, uh, Jim Harden. And I knew that I was just fumbling and my hands were sweaty and shaky. And the director came over. He was like, um, Antonio Campos is wonderful, sweet, sweet guy. And he's like, Colin, yeah. He's like, uh, good stuff. Let's just, maybe you can smooth it out. Just like smooth him out a bit. And I said, oh, I said, am, 
is how frantic I feel inside kind of coming out a little bit. Am I physicalizing that? He's like, yeah, yeah, we, we can tell. I said, okay, yeah, I'll, try to, I'll try to take a breath and have my hands, I'll try to calm down and have my hands reflect that instead. <laughs> well, it sounds like that was a really uh, interesting experience. It was you, brilliant, is, yeah. Is this going to, so when does that come out? That, that'll come out in May. I'm doing, I just, okay. I'm doing some, I'll be doing some ADR uh, over the next couple months um, for it. So both and, of you have a big summer coming up, some stuff coming out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I got to, I, this, this one was really, it's shot in Atlanta. And this, like I mentioned before, the Southeastern acting community is kind of, so it's a small pond a little bit. So Various friends of mine came in and out of the set, like in, in other roles that I got to work, like good, dear friends that uh, my buddy Jason Davis came in, play a role. Uh, my friend Mike Holmes um, came in. He was Dwayne Deaver. The, he was the blood spatter expert for the X-Files. Blood spatter expert. He is a big part expert. of this. Um, the uh, infamous, yeah, expert, if you will, quote unquote. Infamous Dwayne Deaver. Jason Davis played Fred Atwater. Uh, what a cast. I, I am so excited to watch this. I, I, Todd told me that you were doing something with HBO called Staircase, and I'm thinking, well, there's already this Staircase. That came out, you know. But little did I know there would be this live action, you know, an actual thing about that. Sophie Turner. Todd, you're going to love it. And Dane DeHaan and Patrick Schwarzenegger and Odessa Young um, and Maria Dizia and Rosemary DeWitt. Like, it's just like this insane cast. Michael Stuhlbarg. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your whole family is really kind of blowing up. Right now, y'all are about to be the most famous family power couple in all of Charleston. I've been trying to write so a, um, we, something, a project for all of us. So hopefully that'll happen. Oh yeah. So can we become friends before um, you become, you know, this famous? Like, let's let's hang out before then, yes, so I can at least friends. say I wasn't trying to like ride y'all's coattails. I literally want to be be friends because you know I I know Cullen's having a hard time. Um, I'm making those and I have a, I have a good, a good amount, a good group here. So I think that we could really be, have a symbiotic relationship. I would love um, it. I'll arrange the play do. dates and uh, yes. I'll bring him around. But, I mean, how freaking exciting for all of y'all. I mean, and, 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 and I know that everybody's going to want to know that's listening to this is Outer Banks season three is, is a go. It's a go. Correct. Yeah. It's a go. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. They're shooting in Barbados now. They're unfortunately, uh, that's outside of Shoop's jurisdiction, and the the story mm. couldn't find a way for Shoop to get there. But uh, I'll start up in April back here in Charleston. That's awesome! Wow. Well, I think that this has been so amazing. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable with us, you guys. It was really, really great. I think the I think we really um, we really covered a lot here. Yeah, a lot of ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Laura, do you have any closing thoughts or questions? I mean, honestly, I'm just grateful that you guys were willing to, to sit down and talk to us about this. I mean, like I said, I'm a, a huge fan of, of both of y'all's work. And then it's so awesome to hear that, that, you know, it's good you didn't coerce your children into being actors, that that was something they wanted to do and that y'all can share as a family kind of after being cooped up in your home together 
putting up with each other. Now you get to go work with each other outside the home. Yes. So that's awesome. Well, thank you for having uh, us, y'all. It's been yes, a joy. thank you. Yeah. Well, we can't thank you enough for your time, and we would love to have you back anytime. Let's and, do. of course, yes. Madison, I will be in touch. We're going to get these children together. Please. Get their energy out. I've got two jump castles at my house that I always have oh. on, on, you know, just just to get all the energy out, you know? It's it's worth it. I love that. They're only like 200 bucks on Amazon. If I look totally like I'm worth sweating, it. it's just because I have to pee. Oh. Yeah, no, and that's totally fine. <laughs> but I, I can do it now, here? Uh-oh. Yes, yes, go for it. We're okay. Ah, uh, finally. How relieving. Okay. <laughs> this concludes our first ever podcast for Next Page. Woo! Thank We're so you. excited. Hey, it sounds like y'all. Next Page. You guys are wonderful. Yay. Madison's favorite. Can we repeat it? Madison's favorite podcast. Um, and <laughs> so is. that's it's on the books too. already. Yes. That'll be our first review we put under our. Uh, well, we re- when this comes out. But yeah, again, this is exciting. It sounds like everybody's kind of got. A, a, a good next page coming in yes. this whole situation. So we're really happy for you guys. Thank you. Thanks, you guys, so much. All right. Thank you.